Episode 7, The Chimpire Strikes Back. Back to the monkey suit. This episode, we are talking everything about Star Wars, one of my favorite topics ever. And Star Wars is just kind of a cultural phenomenon, right? Like, everybody I know loves Star Wars. It's just kind of ubiquitous amongst family, friends, you name it. Good family fun. It really is, though. And that's the other thing, too, is all the Star Wars movies, well, episode three was PG-13, but still, like, that's... Just about everybody can see that. So well, that's because they took a really dark approach to that, because the story actually progresses in a very dark direction. And you know what? I was totally okay with that, because of the first, well, the second three movies, right? Episode three was the best of the three. So there you go. Didn't really have much competition, though. Episode one, we don't even talk about that. <laughs> uh, so episode seven. Uh, originally, there was three or two trilogies. Yes. Uh, yeah, right. Three episodes apiece, obviously. Uh, the first half starting at episode four, New Hope. Yeah, 1977, George Lucas got a great idea, and they ran with it. Then 80 and 83. Well, so and, he initially yeah. wanted this to be like one movie, but production-wise, it was so ambitious, they ended up having to split it up into like six individuals' components. Right. I think it's kind of interesting that he started episode four, and that's kind of been the classic why he started episode four, right? Like, he originally said that the justification was why not, and people just took that as like the common accepted answer well, which so kind of ballsy I appreciate it though. I recall reading an interview with him that uh, discussed that very point and he said that he started at episode 4 because he had some very ambitious technological reasons Oh, for from, episodes one through three, he really wanted the technology to improve in yeah, the, uh, cinema so that he could actually make the, his vision. Yeah, because if you remember uh, Obi-Wan in episode four, right, at, near the beginning, he's talking about, yes, back when we fought in the Clone Wars. And there's a lot of allusions to, like, you know, what came beforehand, but it just, you know, didn't actually happen until, what, 2002, three. Where actually, 99 was episode one, so then after that. I think episode three came out in 2005, if I remember correctly. So, yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah, so the movies. Like, why do you think the, the movies are as culturally re- relevant as they are, you know? Because they spoke to a whole new generation of nerd. And they kind of formulated a whole new generation, too. Well, so I think it was like, it was the first big CG sci-fi picture to come out since Metropolis. Yeah, well, Metropolis was kind of the grandfather of modern science fiction. Yeah, 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 and, well, as far as cinema is concerned. And I think along with that, there was a whole generation of young, inspired people who were, really could identify with Luke as a character. He was a young kid from nowhere, uh, really had no idea what his legacy was, and came into this whole story, like, half-assed. And (laughs) And then it's just like, oh, here's a lightsaber, by the way way you're a jedi so yeah let's, let's well, like his, to- yeah. his whole life is thrown upside down right especially whenever he goes back to see his aunt and uncle and burned alive yeah that's a lot of fun <laughs> yeah the moisture Actually, yeah episode four was kind of dark in that respect oh uh, yeah man that's why you don't hang out in the moisture farms you know like <laughs> that's what happens tough life being goes, a moisture farmer go shooting the swamp rats with your <laughs> like, t16 skyhopper that's what i'm talking about that was actually a lot of fun if you guys never played rogue squadron on the n64 um, and even better than that was uh, 
X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Uh, yeah, um, that was, man, old school computer. Yeah, absolutely. Windows 98. I know, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like 98. It's just so long ago now. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, so as far as news in Episode 7 goes, uh, the only thing to really come up from the production was the uh, announcement that Harrison Ford had suffered an injury. Right, uh, quote unquote. And then we later came to realize that, oh, in fact, you know, he broke his leg on set. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the one thing that came to mind as soon as they said that, I kept thinking of that one scene in uh, one of the episodes of Robot Chicken where it's Star Trek. Captain Kirk comes into the airlock, and then he's about to like announce his line, and then it comes down and oh. clamps <laughs> on his junk. That's awesome. It just repeatedly like clamps on his. Uh, right, they, they keep repeating. If you haven't seen the episode, go see it. It's it's pretty old. Robot Chicken. Now. We'll probably put a link in the show notes. This yeah, clip, but uh, yeah. As soon as they said that Harrison Ford was in an injury, like I, I, that's the first thing that came to mind. Came on set, <laughs> clamped. He's so old. In cap. Mean, he's yeah. like the demographic for Viagra commercials. <laughs> Man, you forget about that too, because Harrison Ford, like he was in his late twenties in '77 when they did the first Star mm-hmm. Wars movie, and like, because people don't even realize that he had like this career as a carpenter, like before he even started acting, and he's kind of like uh, Clint Eastwood in that regard, because Clint Eastwood didn't come on until much later on in his career, also. So yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about how kind of like the rise of Harrison Ford to prominence. And it's even sadder, too, to think Han Solo now needs Viagra, right? Because Han's always like, you know, Han shot first. He's the man. Everybody loves Han Solo. Well, so he was on board with uh, Sir Alec Guinness. Neither of them really wanted to do the piece. Both of them didn't really have any idea what Star Wars was about. And I remember seeing an interview with Harrison Ford whenever the Chris- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was in production. Somebody asked him about how it was like working with uh, LucasArts and doing the whole Star Wars picture. You know, it's one of his big breakout roles. He was just like, I didn't understand the universe. Uh, he didn't really understand the whole sci-fi approach. He really thought it was kind of dumb. Sir Alec Guinness was kind of in the same way. He thought Star Wars was going to be the worst thing ever, but he negotiated the best you know, right. contract out of everyone. So that guy's still making royalties on anything related yeah, to Star, uh, which is Star Wars. crazy, but then again, good for him, right? Yeah, uh, Harrison Ford is apparently recruited because he is fixing one of George Lucas's cabinets. And oh, that's kind of cool. And, and, and it was straight up like, would you like to come on and, you know, play a role? And he just so happened to get, you know, one of the best roles, right? Right. That kind of thing never happens in the industry anymore. No. Like, well, then again, though, 77, man, that was, you know, almost 40 years ago. So yeah, it's I mean, like, the industry yeah. is still kind of in its infancy because they had just standardized film not too far into the 50s and 60s, I think. And then they finally right, but, came out with a uh, full-blown Technicolor by 66. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's so crazy to think about, but it's absolutely true. Same deal, though. Like, in the first Star Wars movie, they're using models to, like, simulate the old Death Star run and everything. Oh, yeah, dude. The uh, Which is impressive, yeah. The amount of, like, physical effects they had to produce in order to make that film was amazing. The innovation they made in uh, sound engineering, sending a, a low-frequency hum through a yeah. speaker and then using a microphone to make the lightsaber sound. That's so real. But it's so it, it, it works, still works. So if you guys go back and you see the, not, not the remaster, because they put out the DVD version, right? But if you see the original 77 version, it still holds up pretty well, mm-hmm. like, as far as just your Blu-ray player. And, I would like, not advise watching it on a 120 hertz television, though. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, though, I do recommend just going back for, you know, nostalgia factor, if anything else. You definitely get that great old feeling. It's, it's almost like going back in, uh, like, Tarantino's classic for shooting on 35mm, right? And mm-hmm. you just get that really cool old school feeling. Man, so, all right, so that's enough about episode seven. So, we, like, we've been talking about Harrison Ford most particularly. It looks like the, the initial set photos have been pretty good so far. It looks like they're making a set of the Millennium Falcon. I haven't seen a whole lot of the production and, photos. 
There have been some just a few behind the scenes pictures. There have been a few rumors floating around too of like you know who could potentially be like you know what character and things like that. But uh, some of the photos are cool though. It looks like they've taken a really classic approach to set building. It's not going to be a bunch of green screen like episodes you know two and three were. Well, so I heard that they brought Carrie Fisher back on. Yeah, they brought Carrie Fisher, uh, um, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford. Is Mark Hamill back? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, they brought on most, uh, and they brought on um, Chewbacca, Peter Mayhew also. Which is cool. Yeah, a lot of the original cast are coming back. I, I remain optimistic. I think it's going to be good. It has to be better than episodes one through three just because of that. Okay, so, so we're, we're going to bring out a couple spoilers here real quick. So episode seven takes place years after the end of the Clone Wars. It's like, and after it, it's, the, it's uh, like 30 years after episode six. six. Yeah, okay. I, think, I think that's right. So yeah. it's after the fall of the Empire. Right. It's um, like old, old man Luke, which is good too because they're accounting for the change in obvious age for the actors. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, it's a smart move, obviously. Yeah. The main thing I'm wondering about is exactly how they're going to play up the relationship between Leia and Han. Uh, well, because as I understand it, I think they had kids. They well, in the expanded universe, and more spoilers, they they have two kids. One of them turns into a powerful Sith Lord. The other one turns into a Jedi who you know ends up doing good things. That's because of Leia's lineage, right? Yeah, but well, they they both start out as Jedi though, but the son ends up becoming corrupted pretty easily and turns into a powerful Sith Lord. And I already heard that they're not going to be kind of taking from the expanded universe much. So we don't have to worry about that. So it sounds like if they do end up having kids, which seems likely, they're going to be completely different in the movie. So is this canon reimagined from the original story arc? or Yes. This is completely new J.J. Abrams uh, written. Yeah. Hmm. So the sad part is since new, Disney owns... New, new screenplay, yeah. Yeah, since Disney owns Star Wars in all of its entirety, then uh, this is actually will become canon. This will become canon. That's right. Uh, this and the, the Clone Wars animated series is actually considered to be canon now, too. Which is that was actually okay, though. I thought so, too. They did a really good job on producing that. Uh, we'll see about the new the, the new animated series coming out, Star Wars Rebels. I haven't heard anything about right. that Right, so, it, it, again, jury's out. We don't know. But, yeah, so Clone Wars is pretty good, though, so I'm not, I'm not really angry or anything about that. It just is. So, yeah, that means the entire expanded universe, as far as, like, all the books that have been written and everything are just kind of going to be thrown out the window. Okay, so I'm curious. Chewie goes on to be a uh, a politician, right? Is that oh, no, 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 no. Wait, does he really? No, 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 no. Sorry, I, I didn't Chewie know that. in the extended universe dies. Oh, maybe, he sacrifices his life it, for Han Solo it, because. Uh, but again, the, everything like that, there with like the Yuzong Bong and things like that, are all going to be thrown out the window mm-hmm. because it just it's not going to be in Disney's vision now. Right? Well, no, no, no. Because so, no. remember, uh, if you recall, the reason why Chewie and Han are partners is because Han saved Chewie's life. Right, and Chewie has the Wookiee life debt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I. I Ooh, I wonder if they're going to play on that. I'd, I'd like him to. Chewie's intense. Chewie's I, they got a whole trilogy worth of movies to take on because they could kill Chewie off they sometime could. in this trilogy. They, they could do a lot of things. So, we, yeah, again, we just don't know. It's uh, Everything right now is just kind of speculative. But at the same time, though, I, I hope not because Chewie was always kind of the lovable, you know, stoic furball who kind of came in and had these, you know, really nice moments throughout the series. So What's sad, though, is that censors tried to get the uh, production crew to put pants on Chewie. <laughs> they, they were somewhat offended back in the 70s that, uh, that Chewie, the giant yeah. you know, woolly Wookiee, was uh, not wearing clothes. They felt that it was a little insulting to their audience. I think it would be insulting if Chewie was wearing clothes. That's, that's just exactly me. what they said. Yeah. Like George Lucas refused. and That's like, why he's mostly filmed from the waist up. Yeah. Well, and that totally makes sense. He has his little like bullet sash, right? The bandolier thing going mm-hmm. on. It's a good look. I like it. 
But, all right, so we're talking about characters now. The one character that is probably the most important character that we just haven't brought up yet is R2-D2. Like, R2-D2... He's the savior of the whole series. He is. Like, if you if you go back and you... Even the uh, the new three, or which, you know, one, one through three, R2-D2 perhaps in some way saves the day even more so. Mm-hmm. But, of course, in 4 through 6, in like every single movie, if it wasn't for R2-D2, they wouldn't have taken down... Uh, they wouldn't have stopped the trash disposal, right? They would have got crushed. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have uh, navigated their way off the Death Star. They wouldn't have found Dagobah. Like, the list goes on of just the amount of things that R2-D2 does to progress the storyline. Well, so if you think about it, R2-D2 yeah. is kind of like the old caretaker. Uh, first, he was watching after uh, Padme. Yeah. And they got sent off, and that's whenever Anakin found them. Right. Uh, whenever Qui-Gon and them came to uh, Tatooine. Right. And then shortly thereafter, uh, R2-D2 kind of grows up along with them, metaphorically. Which is, which is interesting, yeah, because that that, his, that applies to AI. It's so yeah, sophisticated, yeah. right? That it's and able then to grow. R2 ends yeah. up, he ends up growing up along Luke, who yes. comes into this whole journey on his own. At that point, like if, if droids could age, R two D two would be an old man by that point. It's very yeah. strange that both movies open up with uh, R two landing on Tatooine, though. Well, I, th- I think it just kind of goes to show you, like we 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 all know that Star Wars is more so the story of Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader mm-hmm. than it is actually Luke Skywalker. Darth Vader is kind of like the character that overarches episodes one through six, anyways. Because if you haven't seen episode six, he dies. Just letting you guys know. Spoiler alert. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that's the other thing too. Is that I, in some ways R two D two is just as paramount of a character as mm-hmm. Darth Vader in that regard. Especially like it's it's almost a little overkill. Like episode two, you know, it's revealed. Oh, we gave him jump jets so he can fly around now. I am so mad that that... Okay, I, I literally think that the reason why they displayed that in episode three uh-huh. was because... Oh, that was episode three. Or no, maybe it was two. I don't know. Actually, no, it was episode two. It was whenever they were fighting Count but, Dooku. But, oh, but he does use him in the game of three, though. Yeah, in, yeah. in that big scene. Yeah, so I, I think what's factory. happening is like nobody saw him use him. Uh, so I think he ran out of fuel... Couldn't tell anybody about it. Right. And, and they, then they just, didn't know. they just didn't know to refuel it. That's, anyway. that's a good fan theory. I think, that, that's I think the only of, reason why they wouldn't have been able to do it in episodes four through six. Right. A lot of people would probably be touched by that. Yeah. So, yeah. If you got theories, leave comments. Yeah, definitely. We will be happy to talk with you all day long about that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, so Archie D2 really was the savior, man. Like, Archie D2, you know, led them out of the Death Star, led them out of that trash just compactor, led them to Dagobah, like, the list just goes on. Again, inevitably, he's going to save the day at some point over the course of episodes 7 through 9. We just know it because he's Archie D2. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a note out to the audience to see if anyone can come up with this, but if there is any sort of diary of R2-D2 out there... I would love to read it. I think it's great too because you you know that he has all the gadgets just built into him, right? He's just kind of he's he's an astromech droid, so he's mm-hmm. kind of an all in one unit, right? So he has to have like a voice recorder kind of thing, also. Okay, so here's an interesting theory. Um, I, I'm sure there's been numerous arguments about how this exactly works, but the idea of the Star Wars universe, it almost seems like everything works off of a few universal standards. Like, how the heck was R2 supposed to be able to interface with the components that were on the Death Star that allowed him to control, you know, the garage sector? Well, when, when you think about it, that just kind of an offshoot. Like, C-3PO says he's fluent in, like, thousands of languages. Yeah. And so I have to think that that same kind of like, API is used in, R- in R2-D2 also. No, 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 this is a hardware so compatibility oh, issue. Oh, that's right. But he, he has a universal tool, then, to kind of solve that. Right, but it, it's at least it's used around the Death Star, right? So you know that he's able to op- like open all the doors. Now right? the one was, caveat though yeah. is that R two was a technology of the Republic, True. which ultimately became the Empire. True, and so the Empire was using that same technology down the line. So True. it's possible that it could just be a lineage. Just got of carried over. Yeah, 
What would happen if they moved over to a square standard prior to that scene? Dun, dun, dun. They, our heroes probably wouldn't have been heroes for very long. They would have been compacted. <laughs> you know, I think that's great, too. The, like, the, the old you know, trash compactor scene is so wonderful. Nobody talks about that squid monster that pops up. Actually, there's an uh, entire backstory on the wiki for it. Oh, there has to. I've, I haven't read it. Oh, that's awesome. I'm happy there is. I think... I, I'm not even going to speculate. There's more information about it than I know. I, I do remember, though, that they, that they took that squid monster and uh, another really underrated video game on the N64 that was as Shadows of the Empire, when you play mm-hmm. uh, third person as Dash Rendar, another um, you know smuggler-type character, Hansel offshoot. And uh, there's one level, right, where you have to fight, like, a giant version of a squid monster, and it takes place, you know, half of it underwater. It's actually a really hard boss fight, from what Isn't I remember. Isn't it in the sewers? It's, it's in the sewer, yeah. yeah. Level 11? Yeah, and, and his little eye pops up, like, occasionally, and you have to, like, jetpack up to the surface. It is a fun fight, and I, I'm happy that they actually took that concept in the trash compactor and applied it to, you know, video games and everything else. Ooh. Kind of cool. Another character they've announced, Boba Fett. Oh, of course. But, you know, the Fett man, right? Boba Fett uh, is probably one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Uh, you know, Han Solo is a man, and the only man that is able to capture Han Solo has to be also the man, right? So I really hope they actually manage to bring IG-88 into everything. Because yeah. that is one of the most well-known bounty hunters that gets very little credit yeah, of they, any sort they in show the him original in series. Empire Strikes Back, and I think that's about it. Uh, so he's brought in in Empire Strikes Back whenever they're on uh, on the Cloud ex- City. Yeah, no, on the on the Executor, the giant dust uh, star destroyer, and he's debriefing all the bounty hunters. Uh, there might be an extended scene, but yeah, they're, they're all standing around on the deck, and Darth Vader's walking around saying, "Go capture Captain Solo." Well, no, that's yeah. also whenever he addresses Boba and says, "You know, yeah, bring no, him back alive." Right, like no, 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 no disintegration. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Awesome, so, yeah, and they, they have Bosk and Dangar and IG-88 and all the other classic bounty hunters standing right there. I can only imagine, like, what Boba thinks, because if you watch the f- second movie, mm-hmm. uh, The Attack of the Clones, or is it The Clone War? No, that's it, Attack of the Clones, okay, where yeah. uh, Jango gets decapitated, yeah. <sighs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> oh, come on, everybody's, that movie's over ten years old, though. I hope everybody's seen that. God, that's a sad fact. Yep. <laughs> so, Boba takes on his dad's legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jango is actually the original clone. Yes. Uh, and Boba was an altered version where he didn't grow an accelerated rate. He was actually raised like a child. Right. Uh, but his father was killed when he was only ten, something it's, like yeah, that. Yeah, he's really young. And so Boba adopts the helmet. Uh, he takes on the rest of the armor. So he's basically a clone trooper, just he's kind of rogue. Well, he's more than a he doesn't clone have the same. Well, yeah. He doesn't have the same training. He doesn't have the same programming. In some ways, that's a good thing, though, because he doesn't have the cellular degradation, and he yeah. doesn't. It doesn't have a lot of the other. Uh, you know, he's as close to a human as he can. Right. Be. He does. He doesn't have the the drawbacks that have with the clone. So he's basically just Jango Fett part well, two. Well, so it's interesting yeah. that George Lucas decided to touch on that because he's touching on a very touchy subject, such as which is human cloning. Yes. And uh, to bring this up, in a, oh, that may have played into one of his reasons why, because uh, human cloning made a big, uh, a bunch of news. Yeah, right, right around the same time. Um, back in like the late 70s right. and to the 80s. Yes. Uh, and, and, well, and even uh, more, more contemporarily, back in, uh, what was that, about 2002 when Attack of the Clones came out, and uh, that was when stem cell research started picking up steam again. Mm. And, of course, I uh, don't want to get too political, but... Anyways, that obviously played directly into the kind of the story arc of the second movie. Yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of, again, touchy subject, right? Mm-hmm. So, man, good stuff, Star Wars. Uh, so, what, so what's going to happen now, right? So, so obviously, Disney owns Star Wars. The 7, 8, 9 are happening. Uh, it looks like Rian Johnson, who's the director of Looper, good movie, is going to be taking over episodes 8 and 9. 
because JJ. That means they're going to bring Joseph Gordon Levitt on at some point. God, I hope not. <laughs> and but so JJ Abrams is only doing seven, but it looks like he's pending the script or at least supervising eight and nine. It's well, kind of a continuation. Well, I'm curious that they're just going to go ahead and do what Lucas did and just write the story arc from beginning to end and then produce the films around that. They probably will. Because it, it looks like Luke's probably going to be the titular character once again of 7, 8, and 9. Of course, the assumes that nothing happens to Luke along the way. We don't know. Well, I mean, he already lost an arm. So, yeah, so he's already, you know, part cyborg. Yeah. Right. Well, okay, coincidentally, if you look at which hand he lost. Yeah, same as Darth Vader. Same as Anakin. Yep. Kinda, so I, oh, cool. I wonder if they're going to make, like, a third generation of handless Skywalkers. Uh, and, of course, they have to tempt him with the dark side, right? I'm like, <laughs> we'll see. I, I really, I don't know. Okay, so another component to uh, episode four, uh, towards the end of that, whenever Obi-Wan is fighting his pupil, Mm -hmm. Darth Vader ends up slicing into him, and that's when Obi-Wan goes, like, you know, meditation mode, and then he just disappears. As I understand it, he dissolved himself into the Force. Right. Like, he willed himself into the Force, and, like, he is now part of the ephemera. Yeah, he he is ready to go, right. But... There's a lot of speculation saying that at any given time, if he chose to, he could leave the Force and become human again. Wow, that's a fun thought. Because you know, remember they never found his body? No. Just his clothes were gone? Yeah. That's why I'm also curious, how the hell does he have robes whenever he manifests as part of a Force spirit? Nah, he, could be, he probably just has like borderline omnipotence at that point, so he can just will himself and he's sort of like, I don't know, probably robes, something like that. Man, this thing it just. <laughs> eh, you know what? Oh, and of course that's. Oh my gosh, oh, I, I I hesitate to bring it up, but that's what infuriates everybody about midichlorians, right? Because like when it, when George Lucas tried to retcon the midichlorians, I was just like, why? Well, why? I, I don't know. Why? Like he's such a good thing going with just like leaving the force as it is, just let it go. Well, so think about it this way: he had the midichlorians bit back whenever the uh, the book kind of happened, or sorry, the story initially was written. Yes, and uh, about the same time is when Scientology came about. Oh, you really think it's a connection? Well, it's too coincidental for... Okay, is it possible that George Lucas fanficked Metachlorians based on Scientology? The world may never know. I'm sure that's probably been asked several times in the greater Star Wars community, but... Uh, Dianetics. Uh, That'd be so crazy if we do come to learn that actually Dianetics did inspire Star Wars in some way. What what, what would everybody do? Like, everybody, like, get pitchforks, you know, that that would be the cause of revolution. Does that open it up to Tom Cruise being brought in on the Star Wars universe? Star Wars, uh, (laughs) Star Wars Episode Eight. Tom Cruise revealed to be the new Sith Lord. (laughs) No, he he wouldn't be that big of a character, but I could see him being, like, maybe a... uh, Maybe a politician of sorts. <laughs> Bring him in on the council. That'd be funny. That'd be really funny. Then again, though, it kind of reminds you to be optimistic, though, at the end of episode six, right? Thinking that the Empire has been more or less at least stalled, if not completely defeated, because there are probably bands of the Empire still out there at large in the universe. So That's another question. Yeah. It's like, how do you tell everyone that, you know, the, the Empire has fallen? Well, at least the Death Star has fallen. So, like, the core of the Empire has collapsed. Well, that was, like, right? their... Yeah. That was their one, you know, trump card. It yeah. already got destroyed, and then the... Uh, and they tried to rebuild the second one. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, the financial ruin they must have put the Republic in at that point. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fun story. <laughs> I can only imagine. There's, uh, like, I, I still don't know if the Empire, uh, or the, the Emperor is a sympathetic character or if he's actually just some sort of megalomaniacal Well, by the end of it, he's mastermind. a megalomaniac. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if he was actually trying to save the universe or if he well, was... Well, so I think the metaphor with the Emperor was that, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Sure. And it's so... Ju- Julius Caesar illusion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, the whole thing is literally Julius Caesar in space. <laughs> it kind of is. Just, you know, they added a love story. Well, of course, because, you know, Star Wars... 
It's a romantic, ultra-violent space soap opera with tons of fun creatures. Which is terrible, because Palpatine was actually kind of a cool guy in the first movie. And, uh, until they, you know, they reveal they, you know, poison Darth Plagueis. And if you're a Game of Thrones fan, poison is the weapon of a woman, which is kind of interesting. So, yeah. Well, this is also a long, long time ago. Well, in a galaxy not too far away. That Very well, maybe in the future, but we have been talking about space-time continuum stuff. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting to think about uh, just the nature of Palpatine and like rising to power because if you guys don't know Darth Plagueis attempted to um, achieve immortality through manipulating the force and obviously didn't get that opportunity because his apprentice took over. Oh, speaking of force ghosts, uh, what role if any do you think Yoda might play? I think Yoda will probably make a, at least a scene or two like a, fl- a flashback type you know force meditation moment. I yeah, can t- I can see that. Like where it's like <laughs> and all of a sudden Yoda pops up and people get excited. Could be. Has some sort of wonderful bit of wisdom that suddenly inspires them to, I don't know, do something important. Plot, plot device. I don't even know where we're going to go from there, but that's kind of what we think about Star Wars in a nutshell. Episode 7, though, pretty exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. You guys have any theories or just want to talk about some of the things we've discussed in this episode? Let us know. Comment, tweet us. Bye, guys.